Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. All right, so I always like to start the sermons with a joke or a story or something like that. So I kind of have both, you know. Today's one of those Mac Davis days. Anybody here remember Mac Davis? Some Mac Davis fans out there. In the 70s, Mac Davis from Lubbock, Texas, and I had no idea where Lubbock was in the 70s, but he had his own variety show. This is a very talented young man, hilarious and a great country singer. And so he had a song, Happiness is Lubbock, Texas, in your rearview mirror. So for tonight's sermon, There is a God and You're Not Him, I wanted to start out with one of his other songs, So bear with me while I sing this. If you know it, sing along. It's called, Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble. Do you know that one? Yes. Yes. Cynthia remembers. So, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a really good man. You know, anyway. <laughs> oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. You know, tongue in cheek, and it's really for this kind of the flavor of Mac Davis. We just love him. Um, and so, ever since Satan lied to Eve in the garden, and Adam went along with the, with that, man has believed that he could elevate himself or herself to God's status. Man, without God, it can be hard to be humble because we think we're it. We don't realize that God gave us these gifts and they're gifts. We had nothing to do with it. Um, So original sin, original lie, Satan has not changed his tactics. So tonight we're going to look at how awesome and wonderfully we are made in God's image. That is a thing. And how Satan tries to pervert that for his own evil plans and our demise, because he hates us. So it's always good to understand your enemy and his tactics in order to prevail and have life and have it more abundantly. So I also wanted to talk about uh, this to lift the veil on what is happening in our, in our world currently. Uh, why the global elites are working to not only control the rest of us, but their delusional plans to live forever without God. Did you know that's a thing? They think they're going to live forever. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So let's go to the lie at the beginning, or specifically two of them. You know, Adam and Eve, they're tending the Garden of Eden. It's before the curse, so work is not work. It's joyful, and they're hanging out in the garden. They're walking with God in the cool of the day. Life was good, perfect, the way God had intended and you know, um, you know, they were eating the fruit of every tree in the garden except one, except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, one of the trees that they were eating from was the tree of life. So here they are in this perfect situation. God has made them perfect. Sin has not entered the world, and God has given them access to the tree of life. They're going to live forever in this perfect state. That was the plan from the beginning. Um, and eternal life in God's presence, walking with Him, learning from Him, 
And you know what? That's a life we're going to return to soon. So that is good to keep in mind. However, Houston, we have a problem. A talking serpent. A little weird. <laughs> I don't know if I was even like, are you talking to me? But anyway. Um, a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Satan himself deceived Eve, as we all know, who then in turn convinced Adam, and they together disobeyed God. What was Satan's compelling argument that convinced Eve to go along with the evil deed? Uh, there were two lies that she fell for. Let's take a look in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, starting at the top, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So do you see the two lies there? The first one, you will surely not die. Literally contradicting exactly what God said. You will die. Don't eat of the fruit. You will die. Satan says, "You oh, no, no, no. Did God say that? You won't die. Um, did they die? Are they here tonight? <laughs> they died a long time ago. And not only that, but on that day, their spirit died. And um, all of mankind became separated from God. And Satan, a liar and murderer from the beginning, as Jesus said, as illustrated here. The second lie, and Pastor Ben's talked about this a lot, you will be like God. Now, I think Satan was projecting here. You know, we know that Satan in his pride wants to be worshipped like God. He thinks he's worthy and he is willing to lie and cheat his way to the top. And we'll have more on that in just a bit. The desire to be like God, but without having to obey him. The bane of human existence ever since that day in the garden. And most of us know someone, probably many of us were that someone, I was that someone, who believes there's a God, but, oh, you know, he's so restrictive. I want to party and sleep around and do what I want. I want to run my life. And if I add I to run, it's ruin. I just figured that out. Um, so I wanted to ruin my own life. That's how it worked out. And so before Christ, we're afraid to run to God and to respect him for who he is. And if I see that there is a God and that he, how awesome he is and that he loves me so much, then I'll have to sell all my stuff and become a missionary to India, right? <laughs> so, I mean, these are the things we tell ourselves so we won't come to Christ or that Satan lies to us and said, well, you know, you know if you become a Christian, you'll have to be a missionary to India or something. So I found out a long, long time ago, and I keep running into this brick wall, that when I try to run my own life, it leads to disaster. And without God, I'm a selfish jerk. With God, I'm less of a selfish jerk. Uh, and he helps me not to be a selfish jerk, and he keeps me out of messes. And when I do get into messes, he helps me clean them up. Uh, he even works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Some of my hardest lessons have come as a messed up believer 
And God has used those, he's been good enough to use those to show me my own heart, to help me to repent, to help me uh, come out better and closer to him on the other side of that. God is good even when I am not. Well, Satan can't stand that. Satan can't stand a believer who loves God because Satan can't stand God. And we are God's representatives on the earth. So Satan lies, it's in his nature, but it wasn't supposed to be that way from the beginning. Did you know Satan was a worship leader and became full of pride? Well, God made Lucifer, and God made Lucifer to be amazing. Uh, There are three archangels in the Bible, Gabriel, God's messenger to Daniel and Mary, to name a few. Michael, who I was named after, uh, commander of God's armies in heaven, um, and then there's Lucifer. Lucifer means light bearer. That's cool. That sounds really good. He was beautiful when God created him. In this packet, this passage in Ezekiel is believed by most Bible scholars to be a description of Lucifer. Ezekiel twenty-eight thirteen through fifteen. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Can you see that picture? This this creature, Lucifer, covered with all these gemstones and his instruments with all these gemstones and, and you know precious stones to you know that were created and prepared for him the day he was created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Satan got so full of himself because he was awesome. And he was. God created him awesome. But instead of realizing God created me awesome, and these are gifts that he has given me, he started to get full of himself and full of pride and thinking that he could elevate himself above God because he thought he was that special. And his tactics are the same as in the Garden of Eden, deception. In 2 Corinthians, and we had to look up the chapter, was 11, I believe, chapter 11, 13 through 15, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, Satan, that name in Hebrew means accuser or adversary. And so he is, the adversary of God. And since we are God's, he is our adversary as well. But you can see here in 2 Corinthians, he presents himself as a light bearer, as an angel in light, um, as, as a do-gooder. I'm the government, and I'm here to help. And uh, so that's how Satan likes to appear. He doesn't want to freak you out. He wants to deceive you. He takes a little bit of the truth, and then he perverts it. Um, so that you can fall into his trap. But his real name, he has become Satan, our accuser. He is accusing us night and day 
before God. I don't need that in my life, <laughs> you know, but that's what he does. He accuses us. And you can hear that voice in your head sometimes. You're not good enough. You're stupid. Why did you do that? I don't know. I hear that voice. And, um, you know, you, you have to remind yourself who you are in Christ. When that comes, you take all of these thoughts captive to Christ. God is not telling you that. Psalm 139 says that God's precious thoughts towards you outnumber the sand. Has anyone here counted the sand? It's a lot. Basically, what that means is God's precious thoughts towards you are constant. So, don't believe the accuser or the adversary. Believe God about who you are. God has given us so much. The Tower of Babel and the pride of man. So, now this may or may not shock you, but God has made us amazing. Right? Um, Just ask us and we'll tell you. So it's not a shock when we see ordinary men believing Satan's lie that we can be gods or we can be our own god. After all, you and I and all humans are created in God's image. And it gets even better than that. Psalm 8, 4-6 through in the New King James. That's what I prefer most of the time. What is man that you are mindful mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Do you remember that story? Uh, God made Adam before he made Eve, and and Adam's hanging out with God, and God's like, okay, you've got to name all the animals. That's pretty smart. That's a pretty smart dude, naming all the animals. I don't know how long that took, a long time. I don't know if we still call them that stuff, but I mean, that's pretty amazing. But you see this in verse 5. Man has been made a little lower than the angels, it says in the New King James. Well, some translations have it a little bit different, so let's check it out in the NASB. And uh, Psalm 8, uh, verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. The word used here for God and angels in the other version is the same. It's Elohim. And nowhere else in the Bible does Elohim mean angels. And I read one commentary that says David is saying here, he's reminding Elohim that he created us in his image. And I mean, Paul says that we'll judge angels someday. I'm not sure exactly how that looks, but you know, there you go. Humans are amazing. So let me brag on this just a little bit more to belabor the part. The Tower of Babel. Nimrod wanted to make a name for himself. Uh, He said, hey guys, let's build a tower to heaven. Like, yeah, sure, I don't have anything to do tonight. Netflix hasn't been invented yet. There's not even Blockbuster yet. So why not? Well, this evil plan of Nimrod's to exalt himself was thwarted by God, who confused their language and scattered them. You know, the, the... They gave the French language, and they went to France, and the Italians went to Italy, so on. Uh, But the the real reason might surprise you. So let's check out Genesis 11, verses 4 through 8. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. 
The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. And the French speakers went to France, and the Italian speakers went to Italy. The American speakers went to the New World. Oh, that was later. I was never good at history. So, um, but you see that in verse, I didn't write it down, verse 6, end of verse 6. Nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. It's an amazing statement. Um, But taken in context, it's also a dire warning. God has given us so much of him that we can fall into Satan's trap. And certainly without God in our lives, a lot of people do. In our fallen state, separated from God, we believe we are our own God. So dangerous. Now, I don't know about you, but Mike the arrogant jerk is just that, an arrogant jerk. Self-destructive, destructive to those around him. I don't like being that guy. But that is who I am without Christ. But God has given me a new identity. Jesus has set me free from that. So consider this frightening story torn from today's headlines. And I watched a little bit more of this this morning. It just gives me chills every time I think about it. His name is Professor Yuval Noah Harari. You guys are familiar, some of you. He recently spoke at a church. (laughs) I don't know what church is inviting this guy to speak, but he is one of the the advisors uh, to the head of the WEF. So he's way up there in the World Economic Forum, this guy. And he thinks that we can hack life and re-engineer humans. And the goal is to be our own God. He just outright says it. Uh, to paraphrase, paraphrase, he's saying that we can take the process of evolution and apply intelligent design. And he actually said, not intelligent design from God, some God in the clouds. It's what he said. But our own intelligent design. This guy's like way up there in the World Economic Forum who want to rule the world. That You know, that uh, Tears for Fear song. It's coming true. And so, Tears for Fears, everyone wants to rule the world. Yeah, songs from the picture. Um, and so he also says that, um, that science may enable life to break free of organic life. In other words, living forever in a design of our own choosing. This guy thinks, and he's not alone, these scientists think, and they're, they're talking about this science fiction years ago, it's a Star Trek episode even, where you could upload your consciousness into a computer or into a robot. Uh, they're working on that. And they think that they're going to live forever in these robot bodies and uh, be their own gods. I mean, okay, good luck with that. Now, in, in the garden, God placed an angel to guard the, the, the garden after Adam and Eve got kicked out so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life because God didn't want us living forever in a fallen state. And he had to protect us uh, so that he could get Jesus into the earth to save us. 
And if we'd have stayed in a fallen state, if Adam and Eve had stayed in a fallen state and eating from the tree of life, they would still be here. And, um, you know, it just wouldn't have been able to get Jesus into the earth. It was part of the flood as well, where before the flood, you know, God was saying, there's no one on the earth who's righteous, not one, except for Noah. And so in order to preserve righteousness in the earth, he had to save Noah and wipe out everyone else. And, but that was so that he could preserve that righteous seed so that he could get Jesus in here down the road. So God's doing these things out of love with us in mind. Um, so we will eat of the tree of life in heaven <laughs> or the new earth. Uh, living forever in God's presence and forever starts the minute you accept His Son, Jesus. It's like, it's going to be great when we get to the other side. I'm going to be in God's presence when I get to the other side. Well, you don't have to wait till you get to the other side. We just had a great worship set. You know, you can, you can sit here and concentrate on God's Holy Spirit and minister to your heart. He is a God who speaks. He directs our lives. He gives us peace. He's in the middle of our troubles. He helps us get out of them. Even when we try to hard to get back into them. And He loves us. And you don't have to wait till we die. Now, we're stuck in these sinful bodies until we die. That's true. But we don't have to wait until we die to, to enjoy God's presence forever. It starts when we become a Christian. When we accept His Son, Jesus. But man without God... Have I mentioned this yet? He exalts himself. He thinks he knows better than God. Even trying to create his own tree of life. You know, this guy thinks he's, I don't know what he thinks. That we're going to, you know, somehow change evolution. Which, is that true either? God didn't create, God didn't, God doesn't use evolution to turn cats into dogs and so on and so so forth. You have, you have microevolution. So the finches in the Galapagos, if they stay in one environment long enough, yeah, their beaks will adjust. Um, but you're not going to have a finch turning into one of those big old turtles. That ain't going to happen. And you just read Genesis each after their own kind, plants and animals. So anyway, you know, when, when this Harari guy is talking about changing evolution for our own purposes, he's even got that wrong. Um, but it will never happen because that's man without God. And just like the Tower of Babel, man is now uniting against God. If you think about it, you know, God scattered the languages and scattered the people back then. Well, now, of course, we have 8 billion people on the planet, but we can communicate now. I don't care what your language is. You know, I can go on YouTube right now and hit translate and watch a YouTube from somewhere else on the globe, and it'll give me at least closed caption in my language. That's just one small example. You know, science, they've been able, you know, they use Latin. I mean, just there's lots of different ways we have definitely overcome the language barrier. And then since the advent of computers, um, well, you think about this. Um, in Daniel, and we haven't got there yet, but I'm looking forward to it. When Daniel was talking about, well, God told Daniel, in the end, knowledge will increase and people will go to, to and fro. And for all of human history, all 6,000 years of human history until the Industrial Revolution, which was about 130 years ago, 
all the way until then. People rode horses, uh, and they had oxen pulling their carts, and and you know they did their wash on the rocks of the river uh, until they invented that ringing out thing. But anyway, um, and so you know towns were twenty minutes apart because that was a day's trip. You know all of this stuff, and then industrial revolution. We started learning how to industrialize, and knowledge, which had stayed, you know, had increased because we had libraries and all those things. Once we got into the 20th century, and we started, and especially with computers, knowledge started increasing instead of once every 100 years, or every, then it was every 50 years, and then it was every 10 years, then it was every 5 years, then it was every year. <laughs> and now things are moving so fast um, just because of, you know, just all these things that we've created. We've got artificial intelligence now, and it's acting weird. I mean, there's all kinds of things uh, that are going on. And so, you know, just like the Tower of Babel, then we have man without God who are building all these things. This makes me so mad. Um, anyone in here like crypto? Yeah. So I, I love crypto. I love blockchain technology. I love how it works. The applications are amazing. I don't understand it nearly as well as a lot of people, but well enough to know I got really excited when I learned about it. Now, they're taking that technology, which could be a wonderful gift and be used for a lot of good. Um, for example, voting. You could, you, could, you could vote anonymously, securely, and one vote per person guaranteed through the blockchain. You could make that happen. But what happens is you have these evil people who take a good thing that's amoral, like blockchain, and they're using it for their evil purposes. And so they're going to take the, the blockchain technology, use a centralized banker's digital coin, and they'll be able to track every transaction done in real time. And combine that with a national ID, and they'll be able to control it. So that's what's coming. Uh, I don't know how soon, but that's what's coming. Uh, at least that's how I see it. Um, but it makes me mad, because I love blockchain. Can't, we can't have nice things. Because of these evil people. How many people have one of these? This is my Pixel 7 Pro that I love. You know that Google gets really nervous when they don't know where I am. <laughs> so, so I help them out. You know, I do reviews at restaurants and stuff. Um, so, but if you have an Apple or if you have a Samsung, they're tracking you too. And so, you know, that's just part of our world. Very cool, fun technology that could do so much good, and even does good, they are using for evil, and it just makes me mad. Um, but, you know, again, even with man uniting against God, we're still here. The rapture hasn't happened yet. You guys have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Um, and as much as we rail on the church in America, and I, there's some reasons for that, and I get that, but... Let's say, I don't know, let's say there's 100 million Christians. Nah, that's probably high. <laughs> let's say there, no, let's say there's 100 million people in the United States who claim to be Christian. Uh, Barna's latest research says about 5% believe the Bible, like really believe the Bible. So uh, what's the quick math on 5% of 100 million? You would just lop off a couple, put a five and lop off two zeros. So you 5 million is up. That was fast. <laughs> She's good. <laughs> no doubt. So you have 5 million people. 
I mean, that's a, that's a nice size remnant here in the United States. If, and I'm making those numbers up. But, um, you know, I still think that, and you, you guys know my background a little bit, active in politics and, and media. And I don't know, do you, would you like to have some Christians in politics and media? Yes. <laughs> because, and, and in every walk of life, you know, I don't know what you're called to. Whatever you're, well, I know some of you, so I know what you're called to. Some of you. But whatever you're called to, you know, God has this spread out through the society representing Him and shining our light. Uh, and, the, and so the restrainer is still here, uh, at least for, for now. Um, and so that is a good thing that's holding back the evil. It's limiting what they can do. And of course, God does that Himself as well. Uh, but Jesus is coming back. And he's bringing a sword this time to judge the nations. But for God. So Jesus came to set us free and to destroy the works of the devil. So I think Paul said it best in Romans. We'll go to Romans seven eighteen through 20. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I love this passage. It's just fun. Um, you know, Paul's just saying, it's not me. <laughs> the devil made me do it. You know, in my flesh, in my spirit, in my soul, I'm willing to do the right thing, but in my body, I'm not. So I end up doing the wrong thing uh, because of my body. But if I'm doing that very thing I don't want to do, then I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells within me. So my sin nature is killing me. Without God, I'm toast. In this life, and certainly in the one to come, when judgment comes, you know, thankfully Paul gives us the answer a few verses later. In Romans 7, 24 and 25. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. What is the answer? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who will set us free from this body of death. As I, I hear Paul sounding kind of like Charlie Brown. Does anybody know what Christmas is all about? Sure, Paul. I can tell you who's going to set your body free. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were sore afraid. No, I'm sorry. All right. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's given me a new identity. He's given you a new identity. And as long as we remember who we are in Christ... We have more than a fighting flesh, a fighting chance against the flesh. Um, now, I might still mess up, but I don't want to. I have a new nature, the mind of Christ inside of me, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit who guides me into all truth. And I've, I've taught on this many times, and I know you guys know this, but when you become saved, your spirit comes alive. It died in the garden. You were born with a dead spirit. When you accept Jesus, His Spirit combines with your spirit. It's alive and you are sealed with the Spirit of God in your spirit. Now, 
your soul, which is your mind, thoughts, emotions, what makes it your personality, what makes up you, that's your soul. It is being saved. So as you renew your mind to what God has already put inside you, the mind of Christ, that spirit that's been sealed, as you renew your mind to who you are in Christ, then your thoughts change. Your emotions change. You change on the inside uh, because of what God is doing in you. And then your body ain't no help for your body. <laughs> that will be saved when we get to the other side, when we get our new body. So you're saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved all at the same time. And so this is kind of what Paul's talking about here a little bit. He's, he's like, you know, in my mind, in my spirit, in my mind, I don't want to do the things I don't want to do. But in my body, <laughs> ain't no help for my, hope for my body. And so you have to come over, you have to overcome the actions of your body by renewing your mind and, and having that soul of yours uh, strengthened by the washing of the word and spending time in God's presence. And then you're going to sin less. You're not going to be sinless. You're going to sin less. So without Jesus, I'm sunk. I do replace God with my own imaginings, which leads to chaos and death. The Apostle John reminds us that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. So 1 John 3, 7-9 through 9, Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, capital H, is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Um, this is why in other passages when um, Paul says that if you practice sin, you will, have no, you will have no part of the kingdom of God. If you practice sin. Now, we all mess up. And when you mess up, I hope you still feel bad about it because that's your conscious, you know, you're getting convicted. <laughs> that's like, because I'm guilty. That's why I'm getting convicted. I sinned. And my body wanted to, and so I went along with my body. But then I have remorse because in my spirit, I have the mind of Christ, and in my soul, I'm being renewed, and so I feel bad. So I can't keep on sinning because my conscience won't let me. And if you can keep on sinning, um, you know, check your heart. Take it to God. And say, okay, I can't stop in this one area. God will help you. Um, but you don't, that's why John is saying you can't practice sin because your heart will convict you and it won't let you keep doing it. And so it should be with us as we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, this is how, you know, I haven't arrived at the station, or I haven't arrived yet, but I've left the station. <laughs> I mean, if you all look back and Remember how we used to be and where we are now? You can see that progress, even though you may not realize it every day. Um, and sometimes it's like a dance, you know? It's two steps forward, one step sideways, one step back. Um, but progress. Um, so before we were Christians, we sinned and we liked it. We didn't think anything of it. We practiced sin. 
and practice made perfect. Once we're in Christ, over time we sin less and sin less. The battle is in our soul, our thoughts, mind, and emotions. So how do we renew our minds to the life that is in our spirit? Read God's Word. Spend time with Him in prayer. Hang out with our forever family as we encourage each other in Christ. Those are some really good ways right there. Um, And love God and love people. That's kind of what it boils down to. So here are my takeaways from tonight's little chat. Just some bullet points that I wrote down. And hopefully you guys have others too that you thought of. Uh, Without God, we believe and live out Satan's lie that we are our own God leading us to destruction and judgment. And certainly that is the state of man without realizing that the gifts we have received from God are just that, gifts. So with God, we realize that we have been given gifts. And we are thankful for who and how God made us. And this keeps us from taking credit for what God has done and urges us to give our gifts back to Him in service to each other. Um, Like I said earlier, you have amazing gifts. And God has made you in His image, and He has given you amazing gifts. And I don't see anything wrong with knowing that. Um, You know, I'm not a person, I don't like the false humility that you hear from sometimes. Well, you just have to be super humble and walk around quietly and blah, blah. No, you have great gifts. And it's okay to realize that you have great gifts. But remember, they're gifts. And so you give them back to God by serving each other. And that's what He wants them for. You don't put your gifts underneath a bushel. You, you, you shine <laughs> for, for Christ. Um, so don't buy the lies of the devil, but rather renew your mind By spending time with God, let Him change you from the inside out. Um, And then this way, we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And I don't know if if everyone was here for this, um, I would refer you to Pastor Sof's excellent teaching on walking in the Spirit. It was amazing. You can find it on our podcast. And you can find our podcast link from our website. And you can find our website on the web, uh, CalvaryChapelLubbock.Church. But it was great teaching on walking in the Spirit that Pastor Soph gave. And so that's, I mean, that's just another way of putting it, right? Renewing your mind with the mind of Christ that's inside of you. um, You know, realizing your identity in Christ, walking that out, giving it back to God instead of hoarding it for yourself. And as you walk in the Spirit... There's no law against that. You're going to fulfill things that that are lawful. And when we walk in the flesh, and we do step over there sometimes, you're going to reap fleshly things. And don't ask me how I know this. It's not fun. Just saying. Um, So my next point here. Evildoers will be judged, so accept God's gift of His righteousness. So as we've seen, those who practice sin are of the devil. Yes, the devil made you do it, but you didn't mind. Uh, Don't ask me how I know that either. So David said, there is none good, not one. We can't earn our own righteousness because we're not capable. We're not even capable. We're all born with the sin nature, and then, of course, we add our own sins to that. 
And the only way out of that is to be reborn, as Jesus taught us. So some people call it the great exchange, because that's what it is. You know, we trade in our ugly sin nature and receive God's righteousness in its place. I don't know, maybe the best deal in the universe, not even by a little bit. Um, so yeah, okay, so you're like, okay, I have a sinful nature, I'm a mess up, I'm an arrogant jerk. You mean I can trade that in and get your righteousness uh, and be in your presence forever, and that starts now? Sold. So here's how it worked. Since we're all born into sin, because when Adam sinned, we were his descendants, Jesus was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus didn't end around. (laughs) Jesus' dad is God the Father and not Adam. So again, that made him the only one qualified to take the punishment for our sins. If, If Jesus would have been born into the sin nature, he'd be just like us. But his dad is God the Father, Mary conceived from the Holy Spirit. So just skipped over that sin nature stuff. He's the only one qualified to take our punishment for our sins on the cross. And he did just that willingly. And in Hebrews, it says he had, well, there's a song out right now. It was me on your mind. You were on his mind. Um, I was at a, I was taking communion one time. This was back in Tucson. And I just had this thought. It's like, it was the, you know how the joy of the Lord is our strength? And I just had this thought. The joy of our salvation was Jesus' strength at the cross. And I'm like, that's crazy. That can't be right. So when I got home, I looked it up. It's in Hebrews. (laughs) It was the joy set before him. He went to the cross. He was thinking about us. I'm getting, you know, what do you call it? Goose pimples? Goosebumps. I like that better. So um, he was the only one qualified to take the punishment for for our sins. He did that willingly for us. Now, breaking the law, if you remember, you know, God gave Moses the law. Moses saw Israel sinning with the golden calf. Moses throws down the tablets. That was the first time the law was broken. Okay, anyway. Uh, so then he went back up and got another, another copy. And um, so the, the law demands a payment. The wages of sin are death. And so in order to pay that, Jesus paid that payment for us. So we give Jesus our brokenness, our selfishness, our hurts, and he gives us his righteousness. It's amazing. Uh, usually I do Romans 10, 9, and 2. or ten. Yeah, Romans 10, 9, and 10. I want to go through 12 this time. It's even better. Let's just read the whole Bible. Can we do that? We're running out of time. I promised we'll go home early so that we would be late. Romans 10, 9 through 12, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a chunk of good news right there. So uh, we're closing. And so I just want to remind you, if you're, especially if you're watching or if you're listening to the podcast uh, later, 
And, you know, I know everyone in here, but I don't know everyone that well. So, I mean, if this is reaching you as well, then that is a good thing. Because if you want to receive eternal life in God's presence, and you're not sure that you have that, you can be sure that you have that. All you really have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And one way to do that is through a simple prayer. I don't know who invented the sinner's prayer, but it was brilliant. We're still using it today. Uh, And so if that's you watching, listening here, I'd like to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, you are so amazing. It was the joy of our salvation that your son went to the cross for us. And only he was qualified. And so we thank you so much for the way you made a way back to you. uh, Because we were certainly lost without you. And so Lord, right now, um, if anyone who doesn't know you or isn't sure if they'll spend eternity in your presence, Lord, we just confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead. And so we're calling on the name of Jesus. We just thank you for our salvation and eternity in your presence. And that starts right now. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.